we're doing is really trying to, over the next two weeks, articulate as best we possibly can um, the vision of Christchurch Feltham as we understand it, as we've kind of prayed and listened to the Lord and uh, read Scripture. And in lots of ways, what we're going to talk about today is um, not new. Uh, it's stuff that I feel like I've, I've I, Diz and I've kind of said over and over and over. Um, so for some of us, it might be a reminder. I do remember um, once meeting with a, a pastor friend of mine who, who he just reminded me and said, you know what, if you don't re-articulate vision once every 10 days, um, then people start to forget um, what that vision is and people start to lose commitment um, to that vision. And so one of my jobs, I suppose, then, is to keep reminding us as a congregation why we're here. Um, why is it that, that God called us to reopen this church in January? Um, for what is the purpose of our existence here? Why do we keep going? Why do we turn up each Sunday? What are we about? Um, so I'm going to make it that my business, and I try and do that anyway in the way that I preach for the passages that we pick, and it's just to keep re-articulating. This is why we're here. This is what we're about. Um, and so hopefully it won't take long before you all feel like you, you kind of <laughs> you breathe in what I'm saying and breathe out the, uh, uh, the vision um, of Christ Church. And, and we have so much to give thanks for, right? So when we started, uh, legally we did not exist in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we were here, uh, and uh, we didn't have uh, uh, the, the bishop's mission order. We didn't have charity status. We, we were still figuring out how, our relationship with the Methodists um, and this building. And, uh, and everything's kind of making progress. Um, some things have made amazing progress. For example, we now have charity status. So... <laughs> We exist uh, in that sense, which meant we were able to open a bank account, which means that um, when over this week and next week, we're going to be talking about how we kind of change our giving. And can I say, I mean, I, firstly, um, made a decision that Diz and I would not see any of the who gives and how much give and all that sort of stuff. So let me say generally, thank you. Um, the, the, you are so generous as a congregation, um, and it's a real encouragement to us that you um, are bought into what we're about here. Um, and so we're going to ask you to, we're going to give you new bank details um, and ask you to move your giving over into the Christchurch uh, Felton bank account. Um, and, and as you do that, I'd love you to prayerfully consider what, what you're giving um, and, and also why you're giving to Christchurch. Um, because the reality is, um, you in here are the only people who give to the vision of Christchurch. Other organizations are lucky, like tier funder stuff. Everyone gives to them all over the place. But people who are here um, are the people that give. And so I'm really grateful. You are enabling our vision and our mission to occur. Um, and big shout out to Sam Millard for all the work that she's done behind the scenes. Wherever she is, uh, she's, she's not here and she's not going to hear it. She'll need to listen to the recording. But she has, uh, she's smashed it um, in, in lots of wonderful ways. There's more. There's still more. We've got loads of things to do. For example, it, it, the boilers are becoming quite important. Um, you know, there will be a point where it will be ridiculous. We'll have to buy rugs and stuff. Hopefully we'll get that sorted really, really soon. But... 
We're still going. We're still growing. We've been connecting with people on the high street, running missional groups. There's a few more that are still to happen, so won't be feeding back on those ones just yet, but in the coming weeks, um, we've prayed and prayed. We've run Alpha. We've eaten lunch together. We've gone bowling. We should do that again. That was quite fun, and it's been fun. Um, And, uh, you know, a part of Rearticulating the vision today is, is to say this is not, you know, us open, us in here is job done. It's not. This is kind of the starting line um, of what we're about here at Christchurch. But I wanted to say right at the very beginning, I'm so grateful for each one of you, um, for the ways that you contribute, the ways that you turn up, the ways that you serve. Um, we couldn't do this without you. And I know that we're going to be a blessing to Felton that God is going to use what we're doing here. So, Vision Sunday. Let's, um, let me re-articulate our vision as a church and our mission as a church, just so that we're all really clear on that. And then Diz is going to um, share kind of four priority areas for us as we look towards the next term, the next six months or so. Um, so we can't go too far ahead with our priorities because... There's always more. (laughs) So we've aimed for the next kind of six months that these are the things we'd love to press into. So first thing, our vision, um, which I think will... Yes. So our our vision as a church, is is this working? Do you need this? Okay. I just took the remote. That's all I did. Didn't plug it in. Good. So I've got, I've got serious technical skills. Uh, so our vision as a church is to be, is to see the church on fire. And then the second part of it is to see Feltham alive. The church on fire, Feltham alive. Now, some of you may be wondering, how, why do we land on this idea of the church on fire? Why the church on fire? Um, let me explain really uh, quickly. Firstly, as we were, um, we, were, we were kind of gathering together and praying together about what this church was about, we, we were at St. Stephen's, which is the church we were planted out of, and um, one of the guys that was in the prayer meeting saw a picture of the church on the screen, and he said, gosh, it looks like it's on fire, and that that fire is spreading out from that, that church, and it's taking, like it's, it's spreading throughout Felton. Um, and that fire wasn't destroying the church, but it was building it up. And that fire wasn't killing people, it was bringing life to the surrounding areas. And there was something in me in that moment as he shared that picture, that made me go, yes, that's, that's, that's it, that's right. This image of the church being on fire is, is compelling. And then as we read through Scripture and we listened to different podcasts and read different books, this image or this idea of, of, of the church the, the fire was so often associated with the presence of God. Take, for example, in Exodus, when, when Moses stands before the burning bush, it, you know, the, the fire that was the, pre, the very presence of God. And so when we think about the church being on fire, what we're thinking of is kind of like a Pentecost moment where the Holy Spirit fills the church, that we, we are a church that's full of the, pres, the very presence of God. And so when I think about a church on fire, what I'm thinking about is a church that's known for having the presence of God with it. 
It, it, it is Christians that are passionate about Jesus. It is um, Christians who know deeply that the gospel, the story of Jesus, is good news. They're full of the Holy Spirit power and enabling them to be witnesses. I think of a church that's faithful in prayer. I think of a church that's awake, not sleepy. A church that has courage, willing to speak of the good news of Jesus Christ and to demonstrate goodness and compassion in the way that we live. It's a church that deeply loves God. And uh, so there's, you know, that, that expression, like, gosh, they're on fire. And I think that's the kind of uh, expression I'd love for, for people outside of this church, like, gosh, these guys are on fire. They are passionate. They, are, they love their God. They love their town. Um, and so that's kind of the image that we're, that, that, that's kind of become really dear to me in this, um, that we want to be a church on fire. And one of those scriptures in Acts chapter 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This moment in Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was poured out, the description is of fire coming upon the disciples. They're filled up with the very presence and power of God. And then from this moment, we've been teaching on Acts for weeks now, haven't we? When I say weeks, I mean months. And when I say months, probably years. Um, and basically, this moment where the church, these Christians, were filled with the Holy Spirit, which descended on them like tongues of fire, there was a movement of the gospel that transformed everything. And my prayer really is that God would do that again. And when we're thinking the church on fire, we're not praying that our church be set on fire. But my hope is, my prayer is, the vision is that the church, that we would see, you know, Riverside Vineyard on fire. We would see Oasis Church on fire, the Salvation Church, Salvation Army on fire. We would see the Methodist Church in this area on fire. We would see an awakening of the church with the presence of God and a movement of the gospel that transforms our town. That's what I long to see. So when, when, we're, when we're thinking about the church being on fire, that's what I'm thinking. That's the image. Um, not sleepy, awake. Not lethargic, but passionate. Not asleep, but running. Do you know? So I, yeah, that, I could go on, but that will do. So that's, that's the image um, I'd love us to play with. And next week, we're really going to mine into what does it look like for you to be a Christian on fire? Um, and there's a couple of, almost like a self-assessment, if you like, that we're going to think about in terms of what it might look like for you to be that. And then secondly, um, we want to see Feltham alive. <clears throat> I like to think, I think it's true, that when a church is on fire, the city or the town, the surrounding areas benefit. When the church is on fire, the, the town around experiences the goodness of Jesus Christ. And when people encounter Jesus, they come alive. And so, you know, it's been like the plan of, of God for his people throughout Scripture, that, that the church, the people of God, would be a blessing to the world. And for me, when I think about being a blessing to the world, it's taking Jesus to the people of Felton. And when people encounter Jesus, like I said, and they put their trust in him, they come alive. And we know this 
don't we? Those of us who call Jesus our Lord and Savior, we know that we were all um, dead in our sin, destined for hell and eternal separation from God. But because of God's great love for us, Jesus came died, he rose again, he took upon himself all the brokenness and the sin in this world, and he took utter victory over it. And the victory at cross restores and makes good all that was lost and all that was broken in the garden and makes good our relationship with God, with others, and with the world. When Jesus breaks into somebody's life, he brings life. He takes things and people and systems and a world that is dead spiritually and brings life. And This is my heart cry for Felton, that Jesus would bring life to the very people of Felton, the very systems, all of it. He would bring renewal. He would make things new again. And I think when a church says yes, when it's filled with the Holy Spirit, when it's set on fire, what flows from it is the gospel. And the gospel then brings life. That's what we want to see. A church that's on fire will be the spark that will spread the love of God like wildfire through our town. And when that happens, life will bubble up. So that's our vision. Church on fire, felt on a life. And uh, how are we going to do it? Three really quick things, and then Diz will tell us our, our kind of priorities. Um, John 10, 10, obvious classic passage about Jesus bringing life, which I meant to say. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that I have life and have it to the full. That's the vision. That's the, that's the dream for the people of Felton. Um, and that's what I want us to make it our business, getting involved in here. So our mission then is... To love Felton, so if our vision is to see the church on fire, Felton alive, then the things that we're going to get busy doing is we're going to love Felton. We want to be a, have a reputation in this town for loving its town, being a blessing to its town. And these, these, this passage in 1 Thessalonians has always kind of captured my heart um, when it comes to uh, what we want to do here in Felton. Paul, he went to Thessalonica. If you read it in Acts 17, it was actually a seemed, humanly speaking, a bit of a failure as a missionary he, he, missionary effort. He went in there, he spoke about uh, Jesus, he's ended up chased out in quite a scary kind of a way if you read it. Um, then Thessalonians, this is a letter he wrote to the church. He thought it was a failure, but it turns out the church was thriving. And uh, Paul was just recounting, well, this is what it's doing. And so he says this, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. I'd love that to be a wonderful description of who we are as a church, what we set our hearts and minds to. That just like a nursing mother, we would um, go into the town. We would care for its people. We would love its people. We would share our lives with its people of Felton. Um, and in so doing, we would also share the gospel. So we want to love Felton. Make that our business, to love Felton. But not only love Felton, we want to be really deliberate about making disciples. When we talk about making disciples, what we're doing is we're introducing people to Jesus and we're teaching them to follow him. We're teaching, teaching them to draw close to him, to transform their hearts and their lives and start to live like him. And so in that very same passage, 
Paul, Paul writes how he went there to love them and share with them the gospel, um, and that he uses this kind of picture of a mother and a father. Um, he said, like a mother, we cared and loved for you. And then like a father, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into the kingdom and glory. And it's a sense in which we become spiritual parents to Felton, where we love them, we care for them, we tend to their needs, and then we call them into relationship with Jesus. Well, really, Jesus calls them into relationship with him. And then we teach them, what does it look like then to follow him? Um, don't get too distracted by mother and father and what their particular roles are. I think what we're focusing in on here is that we want to have a parental view of how we do mission here in Feltham. One that is combined with love and care and discipline. Um, and as we do that, we will demonstrate love. We will reveal Jesus and we'll see people come into a life-saving relationship with him. We want to love Felton. We want to make disciples. And then the last thing, um, which is not there, is to, is to build the church. Um, and we believe they kind of follow. As you love Felton, as you make disciples, the result will be a church that begins to grow and is set on fire. So that's what we want to set our hearts and our minds onto. We don't want to love Felton and not make disciples. We don't want to make disciples and not love Felton. We want to do both of those because we believe that will build God's Church. Now, just to say, this is why it's so important we circle back to the church on fire because the church on fire doesn't do all sorts of things in its own strength and power, does it? It does it in the power of the Holy Spirit, God at work in us. So it's not about working harder and harder and harder, but it's saying yes to God and what he wants to do in us and our posture will be one. We want to love Felton. We want to make disciples and in so doing more to build the church. I want you guys to continue to think about this as, as, as a vision, as a mission, what we're about. What does that look like for me personally? Um, what does that look like for us as a church? Um, and then let's continue to remind ourselves, you know, those moments where we're getting sleepy or lethargic. Like, no, our vision is to be a church on fire. That means passionate. That means awake. That means running after God. We want to see Feltham alive. We've got a real focus on our town, in this place, seeing Jesus life. So that's what we're about. Then four priorities. Dizzy. Let's give it up for Dizzy. Can you do that? Thank you. <laughs> so the plan, um, the four areas over the next few months that we want to really focus in on are, first of all, prayer. Um, we, as Andy's just shared, um, we want to be a church that's on fire and we want to love Feltham. And we absolutely can't do that without prayer. Um, prayer's the foundation and it's got to be our priority. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, the church in Thessalonica are being instructed to pray continually. They're being asked to make prayer their priority. Prayer's got to be the priority in our lives if, if we want to make a difference and we want to see Jesus' name being, being heard all over Felton. And I know full well that prayer can be really hard and really uncomfortable. I can find it really hard at times. And Beth was sharing a couple of weeks back that she 
too has seasons of prayer being really hard and finding it really difficult. But um, as some of you will have heard before, Andy's little analogy about dancing at a wedding and how you have to kind of dance through the awkwardness. You choose to dance, then you dance through the awkwardness, and then you're, you kind of experience this freedom. Um, and, it, and he says it's, you know, it's similar, a similar attitude that we can have with prayer where we have to first choose to pray and then we pray through the awkwardness and we persevere and we keep pressing in into a freedom um, that we then experience where the Lord is able to um, to meet with us, to fill us with his spirit and to send us out um, equipped to share the good news. And so... Um, I'd love to encourage us to prioritize praying together um, at the furnace on Wednesday nights. If we want to be a church on fire and we really, truly want to see Felton alive, we can't do it in our own strength. We can't go out and save Felton without first praying and asking God to go before us and to be with us. And then the second um, priority that we'd love to think about over the next little while is not young life, but yeah, we've got that slightly in the, in the wrong order. Is there one that says we are family? I think it's got stuck. Before the throne. Um, I won't start singing. Anyway, so the the next um, area that I'd love us to think about is um, the sense of family. Um, And there should be a slide that says, we are family. Um, Andy and I um, really, really have a heart to see the church being a place where everybody feels at home and has a part to play from the very littlest of people to the very oldest um and there is a passage in Joel that I'd love to read to us um I don't know whether it will come up on the screens um but if you've got a bible grab it um it's Joel 2 verse 28 to 29 um if you've got one of the church bibles it's on page 914 And it says this, and afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And the significance of this prophecy is that in in the time of writing, the Holy Spirit really only um, was encountered by certain people at certain times um, for specific things. And these people tended to be prophets or kings or judges. Um, And so the fact that it says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. And that idea of um, of everybody it being able to experience the love of God and everybody having the Holy Spirit poured out upon them, everybody has access to that. 
and everybody has a part to play. There's nothing that disqualifies us from encountering God's spirit. Not our age, not our background, our ethnicity, not our qualifications, um, nothing. We are all have a role to play and we are all able to experience the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when Andy and I were thinking about what this would look like for Christchurch Felton, um, to be a place where people feel like it is home, from the youngest to the very oldest. Um, it didn't look like the kids being off in one room and us, the grown-ups, being here in one room, although we did kind of quickly realise that and they might get a bit bored of Andy's teaching. No joking, not joking. <laughs> so, um, so we realised that actually they'd have a lot more fun um, having their own group during this part of our gathering. But the bit that I'd really love uh, for us to focus our attention on um, is that for that first bit of our gathering where we're all in together and we're all able to worship um, the same God, and he is able to meet with each and every one of us, whether we're tiny weeny or whether we're, we've had a lot of life experience. Um, and I've been really blown away over the last little while um, with the glimpses that I've seen of our kids worshipping Jesus. And sometimes it might look totally crazy um, and it might look like they're not engaging, but actually, we're, I mean, family is a mess sometimes. And, um, and then I would like hear Evie in the car on the way home singing this, one of the songs that we've been singing. Um, and I just think, I actually think that we have got a lot to learn from the faith of the children and the boldness of their prayers. Some of, some of their prayers are just so faithful. They have so much faith they're like yeah of course Jesus can do it and um we might think that they're a little bit naive and haven't had as much sort of experience of maybe prayers not being answered um than we have but actually maybe it's us that needs to change our hearts and be like well why shouldn't God be able to do it um maybe we need to change our expectations of what God's capable of so our hearts to see everyone flourish in their relationship with Jesus and we'd love you to have that mindset on a Sunday morning too of course we want to engage with God personally during that time of worship um, but what would be I think also helpful to recognize is that when we're together on a Sunday morning we're um, we're worshiping corporately we're worshiping as um, as a body of Christ and um, what I'd love us to be thinking about is how can I enable others to worship as well? And this might be modeling to the children a glimpse of what it looks like for you to worship Jesus and how, how that looks, how your posture um, looks. Or it might be um, grabbing a pen and a piece of paper for a friend that you know loves to journal during worship. Um, or it might even be, heaven forbid, <laughs> asking one of my kids to dance with you. Um, or do some actions with you during that time. So we'd love to experiment over the next little while, and we really would love your help with this, um, with some creative worship ideas. And um, I personally love to stand and sing and raise my arms um, in worship, but I understand that that's not everybody's bag. 
um, that not everybody sees that as a kind of their natural response in worship. And so, um, you know, whether it's through art or through signing um, the words or through dance, we'd love to create a place where everybody feels like they're able to engage with worship in the way that they feel comfortable. Um, and as we think of church as home, yes, all the house plants make it look wonderful, all those little grammable accessories um, are great, but what really makes this place feel like home is, is you guys, um, it's the people, and we are not all perfect, um, we're sometimes a bit of a mess, and family can be a bit messy, so um, we're not after a squeaky clean um, polished service it might be carnage sometimes there might be kids running around um, but that's okay because we're family <laughs> um, so yeah we'd love your help with thinking creatively and um, yeah seeing how we can enable each other to worship and then the next area um, we want to prioritize is young life and I'm just going to read Psalm 78, verse 1 to 7. And if you've got a church Bible, it is page 590. And it says this, My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from of old. Things we have heard and known. Things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He has decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. And they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands." And so we have a responsibility to pass on our faith to the next generation. The good news of Jesus to the next generation. And sure, as parents, personally, we have a responsibility, but we can't... <laughs> We can't do it on our own. I definitely can't do it on my own. Um, and so we need your help too. And I just want to say thank you so much to all of those who have served so faithfully on kids' teams over the last nine months. We are beyond grateful for all the, the input that you have given our kids. And I know for some, um, it might not be where you feel like it, your giftings lie. It might not be your, your passion, but you honestly are such a blessing to us and to the kids. And Beth has done an outstanding job at, um, at starting up this kids' ministry with the wonderful team of volunteers. She's kept it going strong for the last nine months. And I've so enjoyed asking our kids um, after church what they've learned and hearing, um, hearing the stories from the team of children engaging with God's word and deepening their relationship with Jesus and with each other has been brilliant. And what is super, super encouraging and also presents us with a challenge is that the kids, the kids have 
doubled, more than doubled since we began, um, which is very, very exciting. And also we need help <laughs> um, because we also now have six regular um, youth-aged um, young people and no youth ministry yet. Um, and so we really need help. And also there are countless teenagers in Felton who, um, many of whom are bored and they're craving connection. And it's, there really is such a hunger for relationship. And in fact, when we were on the high street um, asking people if they wanted to come along to Alpha, there was, I saw Beth having a conversation with a couple of teenage boys that were on their bikes and um, she was asking them, you know, what they're, what they're up to today and whether um, they're having a good day. And um, they, they were really interested to know what we were there doing. And um, the question that we were asking people was, if it turned out there was a God, what would you ask? Um, and there were some amazing um, responses. But anyway, this one, this one kid who was probably about 12 on his bike um, just said, this is, I think it, this is amazing what you're doing here and you've really made my day. And just by, just by being out there and um, asking how they are and um, you know, asking them to engage with us, is, um, they really, really is a hunger. And we might feel like teenagers are a bit intimidating at times, but they really is a hunger, a real hunger amongst them for, for relationships, for real relationships. And so um, over the next little while, Beth is going to focus on getting a youth ministry off the ground um, and with also going through ordination and a million other things that she does here in the life of Christchurch, um, we need to free her up from um, also overseeing the kids ministry. So we'd love your help. Um, and if you aren't already serving on the kids team or you have a heart for youth, we would love for you to consider coming and helping us out. Um, so I'd love to chat with you afterwards um, to find out, you can find out a bit more about what that looks like to get involved. And whilst we're still a relatively small congregation, we kind of really are still in the stage of all hands on deck and we all need to, we all need to, um, to muck in. We'd also love to be able to employ a kids pastor to oversee the, the kids side of the ministry in Beth's place. Um, and help to grow it by getting out into the local primary schools and, and sharing the good news of Jesus outside of these four walls. Um, and we're currently thinking through all the possibilities of what that would look like um, and what that would involve, including raising the funds because we don't have the funds. And so this might be something that you would like to consider giving financially. And then there are many other plans, um, including a plan to start a, a midweek toddler group and welcome um, parents and carers with little ones. Um, this might be kind of young mums, like I mentioned a couple of weeks back, I've got a real heart for young mums. And um, Sam Millard, too, is really keen to get um, a toddler group going. So if that's something that you also feel like you might be up for being involved with, then chat to Sam afterwards. Because we have a responsibility, don't we, to pass on the good news of Jesus to the next generation. And then the last area is mission. And in particular, making Jesus known in Felton, making him famous 
in Felton. And if we want to be a church that lives out our vision, we've got to get out there. and We've got to, um, we've got to be on the streets and um, telling people how much Jesus loves them. And there, um, there's that verse in Acts 4 where Peter and John are saying, as for us, we can't help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. And we need to um, ask the Lord to disturb us, to, um, to put that, to kind of break our hearts for what breaks his, and that out of an overflow of that, we just can't help but share the good news. We need... We need to cause a disturbance in Felton if we really believe that it's good news that Jesus died for us to give us life and freedom and joy, then we've got to share it. And I get life is really, really busy and um, it can be really hard. I'm so guilty of prioritizing other things like sitting on the sofa and watching Netflix and eating chocolate. Um, it's really, really hard. And as quite a shy person, I find it, when it comes to meeting new people, I find it really, really difficult um, and really uncomfortable. And I'm really not very good at it. But what I find more uncomfortable is that there are people out there who don't know the love of Jesus and who don't who don't get to live life to the full like, like I get to because they haven't had the opportunity to meet him. And the great news is that we've got loads more opportunities to get out there over the next um, couple of months with the lead up to Christmas. Um, we'd, love to, um, <laughs> we'd love to go into the pub and do some beer and carols um, with them. Exciting, isn't it? <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Um, we love to do, sing some carols on the high street um, where that massive Christmas tree was last year. We did it last year as well, outside Asda, um, and invite people to come and check it out. Come and see what we're all about and um, join us for one of our Christmas services. And combined with that, we'll start talking about Alpha for next term as well. Um, so lots of exciting opportunities and we'd love you all to get involved with some of these things, and absolutely not to appease us, but because you feel disturbed and you can't help but sharing the good news. So, <laughs> it's, all, it's all very exciting and um, all quite a challenge. Um, so what Andy and I would like to ask of you as a church to make this vision as a reality is to make praying at the furnace with us a priority, to help us think creatively about engaging all people in worship, to um, serving on a young life team and giving financially towards kids pastor, and to getting involved in making Jesus famous in Felton in the run-up to Christmas. Let's be a church on fire, desperate to see Felton alive with the love of Jesus. Amen. Andy. Amazing. Thank you. Dazzle. Dazzle McGrizzle. Feel free to call her that, everybody. <laughs> she really likes it. Um, one thing actually that's on the slide, and I, I just suddenly remember it just now, um, you know, with, with the whole kind of helping our kids in 
engage with worship, we've got this little Spotify playlist where we put all the songs that we sing on a Sunday on that list. We chose Spotify because you know you can get on it for free. Um, so if you type in Christchurch Feltham on Spotify, the songs that we're singing are on there. And if you start listening to them at home, they'll be a little bit more familiar with the kids and maybe for you. Um, and so any new songs we do, we're going to pop them up there. And we're going to try our best to keep it up to date. Um, so I'd encourage you to use that. It's been wonderful for us. That's how our kids get to know some of the songs, um, albeit sometimes with the wrong words. <laughs> it's on YouTube as well. Look. The YouTube symbol. Um, Molly tends to make them, you know, you get to that age and make them into kind of poo jokes. You know, you're never going to fart. You're never going to... And we're like, false, come on. Um, <laughs> but it is a little bit funny at once. So, I, <laughs> uh, so what we'd like to do now is just pray. And um, we didn't do yeah, in our sessions before um, because I, I, I want us to kind of pray in response to some of the stuff that Dizzy's been sharing. And I'd like to do it in a couple of different ways. Um, uh, there's, there's obviously four areas, um, prayer, um, family life, uh, uh, our sense of family, young life and mission. Um, and I'd love you to consider as we're praying, what's your personal response to this? Where, where is an area that you could get involved? Um, we want to give you as many opportunities and as we can to stretch you, um, to maybe, maybe give you a little nudge out of your comfort zone. Um, uh, so that, because we, we don't want this to be kind of, you know, there's, there's a you know, staff team doing all the work and on behalf of everybody else. We want to, um, and actually we, at this stage we don't really have any staff at all, so um, if we, it, it basically means that we, we all get to play. And I'd love us to really think about what's my contribution? How am I getting involved in the life of this church so that we can make Jesus known um, and that we can be a church on fire? So the way I'd like to ask to respond um, is to pray. And it might be there's a particular area that's kind of resonated with you prayer, family, young life, mission. And we're going to point, point you just in different uh, corners. And there, you can either pray in, in groups with the people that uh, also feel like they, they resonate with that, or it might be that you um, just want to pray quietly by yourself, or you don't want to make any sort of rules. Pray as you can, not as you can't. Um, and so, but we want you to pray. And here are the kind of prayer points, I suppose. So if you want to, if you're passionate about seeing the prayer life of Christchurch kind of go through the roof, the spiritual temperature to rise, pray that we would be passionate, faithful, consistent in our prayer. Um, faithful in two senses. Faithful as in we keep at it. And faith-filled that our prayers will be prayers that only God can answer. They're the best prayers, right? We sometimes pray prayers that we can answer ourselves. And we want to we up the ante. Because if we're praying prayers that only God can answer, then enter faith. Um, so it would be great for you if you're up for that to gather and pray. And then also feed into how we pray as a church. Give us creative ideas. Then family, our sense of family. Um, what we're praying for is really wisdom. That God would teach us. That he would shift and change our culture. Um, you know, this is a new thing we're trying. At lots of other churches, you might have a family worship time, two all-age songs, and the kids go. What we're trying to do is make that whole time of singing that we do all-age, the whole thing, the family. Um, so we need wisdom. We need to, we're going to try lots of things. Um, so we'd love you to pray for that. Young life, uh, pray for... Um, Pray for the youth, pray for the children, pray that God will raise up the workers, pray for favour in schools, all of those kinds of things. Pray for teenagers and themselves. Gosh, it's so hard to be a teenager these days. Um, there is so much pressure on them, so much addiction, so much stuff in terms of their identity. 
And we know that God can break into that and bring transformation. So pray for them. And then mission. Um, for, for some of you, when you hear the word mission, particularly evangelism, it makes you feel sick to your core, um, which is fine, but we still need to do it. So, um, so what we're praying for is courage. What we're praying for, you know, Acts chapter 1, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses. So we're praying for God's power um, so that, it, as Dizzy was saying, it becomes an overflow. We can't help but talk about how good God is. We can't help but talk about how he's transformed our lives. We can't help but tell about the gospel. So that's our plan.